All right, here we go. Welcome on in. This is the Welcome to the Jungle podcast on a Saturday night. I'm Alex Frank, Justin Cashman joining me. The Bengals are less than 24 hours away from, unquestionably, Justin, their biggest test of the season, reigning NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers. And the Green Bay Packers are in town this weekend to take on the Bengals, a pair of 3-1 and teams battling it out tomorrow, 1 o'clock from Paul Brown Stadium. Justin, I get the sense that in addition to this being the biggest game so far this season for the Bengals, a team that has taken some around the league on a national level by surprise in a very good way, I also get the sense that if the Bengals show that they can compete with Green Bay, I'm not saying they have to win, it'd be great if they did, then we can really start to view this team as, okay, they can compete with the elite teams in the NFL. But this is a huge test for the Bengals tomorrow. Oh, no, it, it definitely is. And if the Bengals want to be taken seriously by their opponents in the division in the rest of the NFL, they have to at least keep this game close. They can't let Aaron Rodgers come out swinging the rock to Devontae Adams for 200 yards. Um you know, they have to stay close, and having a completely healthy secondary is going to help Trey Wayne. Obviously, it's his second game back since, you know, obviously suffering that pectoral injury last year and hamstring injury at the beginning of this season. Uh, Shadobi Awuze is expected to play. Jesse Bates is going to play. So that's definitely going to help. And this Packers team is beat up. They have so many injuries. Elton Jenkins, he is questionable to play. They're starting left tackle in place of David Bakhtiari. Josh Myers, their starting center is not playing. Jerry Alexander, one of the best corners in the entire NFL, on IR with a shoulder injury. Marquez Ben Valdez-Scandling, he's on IR with a hamstring injury. Darius Smith, one of their best pass rushers, is on IR as well with a back injury. So the Bengals have a chance to take advantage of a very beaten-up Packers team and win this game. And the Bengals haven't, be, uh, haven't played the Packers at home since 2013, a game that they won 34-30. And the game's already sold out, so it is going to be electric. And like I said earlier, if they want to be taken seriously, they have to at least keep this game close. Yeah, I think you're right. And you mentioned all the injuries Green Bay has. That's what makes me think the Bengals can take advantage of some weaknesses within this Packers team. Their defense is not very good. I mean, they have shown some flashes over the last two seasons under head coach Matt LaFleur. But they this defense, to me, has so many weaknesses. And now you you lose your best corner, who's maybe your best player. You lose your best defensive lineman, who may be your best player. Devondre Campbell's beaten is banged up. Kevin King is not a very good corner, as we saw in the NFC Championship game last year. Their linebackers aren't that strong. Devondre, Campbell's a, Devondre Campbell is a nice option. Uh, Eric Stokes has done an admirable job at corner, the rookie from Georgia. So there is some there is some um, talent to that defense. But to me, Justin, this game is going to be determined whether or not the Bengals' defense can at least slow down Aaron Rodgers' and that Green Bay offense that has just so many weapons. And when you have an offense with as many weapons as Green Bay's offense has, and that comp- and that helps Aaron Rodgers, who is a Hall of Fame quarterback, we know that, it makes it very difficult to stop that offense completely. But if you can somehow contain them, there's a chance in this game. Uh, yeah, no, there definitely is, and... You mentioned it. The Bengals' defense is going to be the determining factor in this game. And the question I've heard all week long is who's going to be able to cover Devontae Adams? And I think that they're going to end up putting Trey Waynes on him. Obviously, Waynes has had that experience in the NFC North 
uh, previously with Minnesota going up against Adams, who's actually had some nice plays going up against Adams. Um, obviously, it's, like I mentioned earlier, it's, Wayne's only, it's only his second game back from injury, uh, so I'm not expecting him to be 100% yet. You know, he's still getting used to the defense. He's still getting acclimated to actually playing. But both of these defenses are actually playing very, very well. The Packers defense allowing 311.5 total yards per game, which is sixth in the NFL. The Bengals, 323 total yards allowed per game, seventh in the NFL. So everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and these two offenses and going back and forth, and everyone's giving Joe Burrow comparisons to Aaron Rodgers. But it's really the defenses are going to be the story of this game and who's going to be able to stop who. Um, and I like the Bengals' defense. I think with a completely healthy secondary and a beaten-up offense of the Packers, Taking advantage of Aaron Rodgers, who has not had a fantastic start to the season, is going to be really be the key for this game. To me, the key to this game, with all the weapons Green Bay has, and the player to watch for on Green Bay's offense, is Aaron Jones. Justin, to me, and I said this going into the Minnesota game, if the, if the Bengals could slow down Dalvin Cook, which they did, and force Kirk Cousins to go and win the game for Minnesota then I would take my chances. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to view this game the same way. Because Aaron Jones, Green Bay, wants to run the football. Their identity under Matt LaFleur, as we have seen the previous two seasons, contrary to what um, last year may have revealed, with Aaron Rodgers putting up ridiculous numbers in his MVP season, Green Bay's a run-first team. Aaron Jones is a top five, at least top ten running back in this league. So they they want their offense to run through him. But not only is he a great running back in terms of a runner, he's also a great pass catcher. But if you can slow down Aaron Jones running the football, then I would take my chances with Green Bay having to win the game and Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball 40 to 50 times. Wouldn't you? I would too, and it's not like we have guys like Vinny Ray and Preston Brown and Kevin Minter back there anymore at linebacker. We have young studs who are fast, who are energetic, who have so much more talent and potential than any of those guys I listed previously. Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, Jermaine Pratt, those guys are playing at a very high level, all very athletic, all can cover the running back. And they've shown it so far through four games this season. And even though Aaron Jones is, without a doubt, one of the best running backs in the entire NFL, running and catching the ball, um, I do like our linebacker situation, and they have played at a very high level, even though it's a young group, King Davis, Gaither, and Logan Wilson, only in their second seasons. They're playing like some of the best linebackers in the entire game right now, especially Logan Wilson, one of the best linebackers in all of football, in my opinion, right now. Um, so if we had some of the older guys who were here a few years ago, yeah, I'd be worried, and I'd say this is an easy 400-plus yards of offense uh, game for the Packers, but I'm really not that worried about it. And so many people are saying that the Packers, even though they haven't had such a – yeah, they're 3-1, and one, but they haven't necessarily impressed uh, through four games this season and that the Packers are going to blow out the Bengals. I don't, I don't understand why because the Bengals' defense is playing at a high level with all the injuries. I just don't understand how this game can't be close or even the Bengals winning. Um, you know, for me, this is a game that I think the Bengals can very easily win, but it's all going to come down to execution and keeping your guys healthy. I, I can't understand why people would think the Packers could blow the Bengals out, and I do have that fear a little bit. It was probably at 30% of my thinking going into this game uh, a week and a half ago. It's down to about 15% because I don't think this game will be a blowout. You have some national media members picking the Bengals to win this game. 
And I was surprised at first, but I'm really not because I really think this game, and I thought and I thought about it this way when the schedule was revealed. I thought about it this way through the summer. I still think it now. This is going to be a really close game. And the last four matchups, at least that I can remember, the last four matchups, Justin, between the Bengals and the Packers have been really close games. None have been decided by more than seven points. Even when one team is significantly better than the other, on paper, talent-wise, the game is always close. Now, the Bengals are 3-1 and one in those last four games. The only loss was four years ago, the last time these two teams played. You might remember that game was at Lambeau Field. It was week three. It was Bill Lazor's first game as Bengals offensive coordinator. The Bengals led 21-7. They ultimately lost 27-24. In overtime, a late Green Bay touchdown in regulation tied the game with about 15 seconds to play. Green Bay wins the game in overtime. Let's go to the Bengals running back, Justin. Obviously, it's been a big question throughout the week. Joe Mixon has been questionable, but... According to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, today, Mixon went through a walkthrough Saturday morning, today that is, trending towards playing in some capacity Sunday against the Packers. Now, the key words there are some, the key word there is some when it comes to how much he's going to play. But even just having him, Justin, in some capacity is critical to what the Bengals' offensive game plan is going to be and to... I think how they are going to keep the ball, because sometimes when you face a team like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, you want to talk about how you stop them defensively, but sometimes it's about complementary football and keeping the ball away from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense, leaving them on the bench, and they can't do anything. And you obviously want your best players like Joe Mixon to play in a marquee matchup like this, and Mixon's having a fantastic start to the season, but... You know, you think about the guys who are going to be backing him up. Samaj P. Ryan, who has shown flashes. You think back to Houston last year, that game against uh, the Texans, and he played fantastic. And then you think about Chris Evans, who's actually made some pretty explosive plays in big moments, uh, even in limited snaps, the rookie from Michigan. He's done a nice job. So I'm not necessarily worried about, um, you know, the lack of a running game. You do get T. Higgins back. That's going to be a huge key for this offense, have Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins in this game. So if the offensive line can hold up against, like we mentioned earlier, a beaten-up defensive line for this Packers team, I don't see why, why the Bengals can't take advantage of the defense because they've done a fantastic job so far this year with the deep shots, with the intermediate shots, and then you get arguably your best wide receiver, T. Higgins, back. And you use the guys, P. Ron and Chris Evans, and maybe Joe Mixon in some, you know, some capacity, and you take those shots when needed, but you can run the ball with those guys and feel comfortable. And I think Zach Taylor and this uh, offense and this team feel comfortable with P. Ron and Evans back there. Samaj P. Ryan, he had some really big plays to me in that Jacksonville game, Justin. You want the biggest play to me, and there were so many of them in the second half uh, last Thursday night. Samaj P. Ryan on second and 15 after a false start, I believe, by Quentin Spain. Was it Quentin Spain that had that false start? Whoever it was, uh, the next play, Samaj P. Ryan had a 15-yard reception to set up a first down. And it was a critical pickup on the drive. Not only did the Bengals overcome that penalty on a game-winning drive, but they got a first down, and Burrow has the trust of Pirine to you know, go to him in that situation. So if you have to use him extensively tomorrow, okay, there's something tangible with him. And then you think about Chris Evans. Justin, every time Chris Evans has gotten a touch or a target and he's turned that into reception this season— They've been nothing but positive plays. So that gives you hope. 
And the fact that T. Higgins is going to be back gives you hope because it gives this offense another vertical dimension. Heck, he had two touchdowns in his first two games of the season, one in each of the of the Bengals' first two games. And it's it, it's amazing, you know, why it feels different right now because, you know, they had a lot of injuries this week. But guys like T. Higgins, Jesse Bates, who missed the Jacksonville game with Higgins, same with Shadobi Awuzie, they're all coming back this week. And then you think about Ricardo Allen coming off the IR to give this secondary some depth. And then you think about Trey Hopkins, who was banged up earlier this week. He's going to play. So this team, they are, you know, they're banged up. Every NFL team is. Let's be honest. I mean, the Niners just, the 49ers just got dealt a huge blow today. George Kittle's going on injured reserve. I mean, that's like they're one of their top two weapons on offense, skill player wise. So the Bengals, I think, are in a really good position health wise going into this game. Um, and let's talk about, I lost my train of thought there, Justin. When, when we look at, I was going to go here. So T. Higgins is coming back this week. And that means the, the the big three of Higgins, Boyd, and Jamar Chase will all be playing in this game. And that's great for and that's great for Joe Burrow in this offense. Justin, to me, and I want your opinion on this, Tyler Boyd is this team's most dependable receiver. Because when you need a simple first down pickup, when you need a reception to get to get going offensively, that's the go-to guy right there. He had nine receptions for 118 yards on Thursday night against Jacksonville last week. He had a touchdown in the Pittsburgh game. He had seven receptions against Chicago. He's really come on the last three weeks of this uh, of this start to the season. Is Tyler Boyd, to you, Justin, this team's most dependable wide receiver? Oh, for sure. And, you know, even though we have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, guys who we know that we can lean on when needed, Tyler Boyd has done such a tremendous job, 100-plus yards, uh, receiving yards last week against Jacksonville, and he's been that for the last three years. Even though we've had kind of a not so deep wide receiver room, Tyler Boyd's always been that been that rock that we can always depend on and always lean on whenever we need a big play. And I think the most underrated thing with having all of these guys back is just being able to be unpredictable on offense. And we've talked about it before on shows. Is that's that's the most key part for an offense is be unpredictable. And you have your deep guy in Jamar Chase, who I would like to see get some more kind of intermediate. Uh, throws, even though that he is a great down-the-field target. T. Higgins, obviously, is a very good down-the-field weapon as well as intermediate. He can do both. Uh, he can go up and get it in the red zone, so he's very good at that. And then Tyler Boyd is kind of the all-around guy, the slot guy, and he's almost impossible to cover. I was watching some of the routes he was running against Jacksonville, and it looked nearly impossible for him to cover. He has other NFL corners looking silly trying to guard him in the slot. Maybe one of the best slot wide receivers in the entire NFL. Not even maybe. He is one of the best slot receivers in the entire NFL and one thing that I don't want to see this Bengals offense do is shy away from targeting the tight ends because we mentioned it in last week's show. Target T.J. Uzama and Drew Sample, and you saw what happened against Jacksonville. T.J. Uzama had a game of his life, and they targeted him, I believe, 10 times, uh, 9, 10 times, and he had the game of his life, two touchdowns, a game-sealing catch to set up the game-winning field goal. Um, so even though you have Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase, do not shy away from targeting C.J. Uzama and with Joe Mixon out, you're going to have to utilize all of your weapons. Even use Drew Sample a little bit. I haven't seen very much from him this year. He's more of a blocking tight end. But just get all the guys involved, and that way you don't always have to lean on Samaj Piran and Chris Evans unless you necessarily have to. Yeah, C.J. Uzama had a really nice game on Thursday night, obviously. Five receptions, 95 yards, two touchdowns. And like you said, Justin, the fact that they targeted him 
frequently in the second half. He didn't have a target, or if he did, he, he only had one target in the first half. He was the reason why, along with Joe Burrow, of course, the Bengals won that game, or a huge reason why the Bengals came back and won that game against Jacksonville. And you talk about this offense being unpredictable. I'm looking at, you know, the misdirection plays that they ran against Jacksonville. Heck, the first play of the game, Burrow, you know, does uh, does kind of a 270 or 360 spin, rolls out, hits Tyler Boyd. Or you talk about the touchdown to Uzama, where Burrow fakes a handoff right, rolls back left, hits Uzama. It's misdirection. It's schemes that we have not seen, play designs that we have not seen in a very long time, if ever. And what was one thing we complained about years ago was that, you know, we see these teams like the Chiefs and the Rams and the Saints and uh, throw any other team in there, Buffalo, San Francisco. They will run these fancy-looking offenses with motion, with movement, with, you know, misdirection, and whatever it may be. The Bengals are now starting to do that because they have a quarterback in Joe Burrow who is a who is a modern-day NFL quarterback because he can deal with, you know, he can move himself, he can run, and he can operate an offense that has motion, pre-snap movement, whatever it may be. That is great to see. This offense audibles. Joe Burrow audibled 11 times on Thursday night that I counted in the win over Jacksonville. And just the things that he's doing at the line of scrimmage, keep this in mind, he's only in his second year. I think I think we forget that sometimes. He's only in year two. Tomorrow is just his 15th start of his NFL career. And yet, he's already getting comparisons to being mentioned in the same breath as Joe Montana and Tom Brady. Heck, I compared him to Peyton Manning earlier this week with the way he audibles. Justin, how impressive was Joe Burrow to you Thursday night, especially in that second half, leading the comeback? And how impressive has he been through the first four games of the season when it looked like at various points throughout the end of last season after he got hurt in the immediate aftermath of that, and then in the offseason where was he even going to be ready for the start of the season? And boy, was he ready and ready to ball. I mean, what he's doing right now, coming back from the type of injury that he had, is more than impressive, and he's done everything that we expected him to do and more. And you mentioned it, he's getting comparisons to some of the best quarterbacks of all time, including Aaron Rodgers, the guy that he's going to be facing off this week for the first time in his career. And to have a guy like that uh, at the helm of this offense, at the helm of this team, has the entire offense, has this entire team buzzing, and uh, you know, feel like they have a shot in every single game is crucial. And you never really felt like that when you had Andy Dalton. Um, you never really felt like okay, we have Andy Dalton, there's really no need to worry. And I hate to say, Andy Dalton was a good quarterback for this team for many years. Um, obviously had that, that kind of MVP-ish season in 2015 prior to getting hurt. Um, and then obviously we lost in the playoffs to Pittsburgh. So that was huge. And then Andy Dalton was just never really the same quarterback after that. And you, Joe Burrow comes in here, kind of changes the entire culture. Um, and I don't want to say it's just him. It's obviously, like, obviously the coaching staff and the rest of the players, but I think Joe Burrow is one of the guys that is leading that culture change um, as well as Zach Taylor. He comes in. He plays amazing. He gets hurt. He comes back and looks even better than before. He is I, – I mean, there's really no words to even describe him. I mean, having a guy like that is um, – you know, you feel like you have a shot in every single game. He comes in and beats the Packers tomorrow. I think we're talking about Joe Burrow as one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL.
I think it would not be an overreaction to say that, Justin. I, I agree with you. And, you know, last year, like I said, it was about, you know, seeing if Joe Burrow was the guy. And we knew a few, just a few games into the season, he was. Unfortunately, his rookie season got cut short. But he has come back and he has looked better than he did last year because you're seeing him operate with the command that I see in a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen, like maybe even Tom Brady, maybe like Aaron Rodgers. You're seeing him, and like you said, Justin, you never feel like you're out of any game with Joe Burrow. And even the Chicago game, when he throws three interceptions on three straight passes, he comes right back, Justin, and throws two touchdowns to get the Bengals right back in the game. And again, they had a chance to come back in that game. You never feel like with Joe Burrow, and look at Thursday night. It was 14 to nothing at halftime. The Bengals are getting outclassed by a team who's 0-3 and now has a world of issues outside of their t- the team itself or the personnel and on-field product they've been putting on. The Bengals come out, and Burrow throws an incompletion on the first play. He only throws two incompletions the rest of the game. Hits Jamar Chase on a beautiful pass down the sideline. And Justin, here's the thing. He's hitting those deep passes almost like he's been doing it for 15 years. And that was a major question mark coming into this season. Could Joe Burrow improve on his deep ball passing? Well, look at the guy they drafted in the first round. And Justin, it's interesting. And I heard this on the Tapeheads podcast this week, hosted by Bob Wyshusen, Dan Orlovsky, and Scott Pioli. Highly highly recommend uh, for you, Justin, and for those who have not listened to it yet, potentially, to do yourselves a favor and do so. It's called Tapeheads. Bob Wyshusen, Dan Orlovsky, Scott Pioli. They break down the X's and O's from various games throughout the previous week of the season and look ahead to the games coming up. And they were talking, the three were talking about Jamar Chase and how, you know, this was, we know this, the debate in the offseason, Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase? Justin, Jamar Chase, what he's done for this Bengals offense cannot be stated enough. No, not at all. And I mentioned earlier that he adds just another element to this offense that was already having, you know, pretty good success last year with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. And now you add that deep ball threat down the field, which Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins aren't necessarily that they are great great wide receivers but they are great at other things but you had jamar chase a speedster who obviously had that connection with joe burrow in college he comes in has played phenomenal so far this year and then you know they can only build off that and i could see jamar chase being the wide receiver one for this team for many years to come uh, as well as having that Tyler board and t higgins to just compliment off of him but uh this offense i don't even think has reached their full potential and i said that in the last show is that we've looked good but Right now, they're only averaging, what is it, 325 total yards of offense per game, which is 22nd in the NFL. And I think that I think that us fans know that they can do a whole lot better than that. And the way that this offensive line is playing, I don't think that this Bengals team is far away from being, you know, a top 10 offense in the entire NFL. It just makes it just has to do with a few more, you know, um, uh, you know, fixing your mistakes. But we know what this offense is capable of. We know what they can do. And yeah. They're 22nd in the NFL, but they do have um, great plays and great players, and they make the crucial plays whenever they, it's needed the most. So 22nd in the NFL and total yards per game, but, I mean, we know that they can do a whole lot better than that. And we, I think we do know that they will do a whole lot better than that. Let me ask you this question. When you watch the Bengals' offense, do they look like an offense that's only ranked 22nd in the NFL? Oh, not at all. And it's so funny because 
every time I look, you know, through the weekly team stats and I see, oh, the Bengals are 22nd, oh, they're 25th or whatever it may be, I'm like, it feels like right now that this offense could easily be in the top 10, or at least they should be in the top 10 with the way they're playing, just the deep shots down the field of Jamar Chase. Um, but they're not. They're 22nd in the NFL, and I think that some of that obviously has to do with T. Higgins being out. Um, now, who knows what it's going to be like with Joe Mixon out. I do think that it'll be fine with P. Ryan and Evans, like we mentioned earlier. But, um, you know, if I was from the outside looking in and wasn't really looking at the team stats, I would say that this offense was, you know, top five, top ten. But I think they'll get there. And, I, you know, it's obviously just a few fixing some of the mistakes. And I have no doubt in my mind that Zach Taylor is going to fix that and Brian Callahan is going to fix that. And once Joe Burrow gets clicking, I think that they could really beat any team in the NFL. And I have no doubt about that. I agree with you there. When I watch this offense play, they look like an offense that can move the ball very effectively. I think the one thing that, and and Joe Burrow has talked about this, they need to be more consistent throughout the course of the game. They've only scored, I believe, seven points in the first quarter all season. Uh, The second quarter has been a little bit better. They scored 14 in in the first game against Minnesota. They scored seven against Pittsburgh. The third quarter's been really good. They've scored in the third quarter in every game this season. The fourth quarter has been good too, and obviously overtime they scored against Minnesota. But again, Justin, they need to they need to start off better. The way they started against Pittsburgh was good, but that's the only game in Jacksonville too. Except Evan McPherson missed a field goal, and that was the end of that. They need to start better, Justin, because let me tell you, if they fall behind fourteen to nothing to Green Bay. I don't care at what point in the game that that is. You're not coming back from that, I don't think. And that's why, you know, this offense, yes, they look like an offense that's one of the that, that could be one of the best in the league. I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you at all, Justin. If the Bengals are able to win tomorrow's game and put up, let's say, over 30 points, which they have not done, <clears throat> excuse me, they haven't done very much under Zach Taylor. They did it a few times last year with Burrow, which is great. But they haven't done it consistently. The highest points they've scored this season is 27. They scored 24 in the last two games. Okay, that's fine. You know, that's mid-20s. That's good. But if you want to be great, it needs to be in the high 20s, 28 to 30 points per game. I have no doubt they can get there. You look at some of the defenses they're playing coming up. Green Bay's defense not very good. Heck, they're without their best player at in the back end and on the front line. Detroit's defense is atrocious, let's be honest. Um... Baltimore's defense has been a little vulnerable this season, but they're still very good. Uh, the Jets' defense is not very good. Cleveland's defense, I think, I think the Bengals can find ways to exploit. So there are still a lot of you know opportunities for this offense to continue to rack up yards and put up points. And let's talk about Joe Burrow strictly within the division, because you know after the after the game Thursday night, Joe Burrow had an incredible performance. He was the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. He was the FedEx Air Player of the Week. He threw for 348 yards, 25 of 32, two touchdowns, no picks. He's got five touchdowns and one pick in his last two games after an abysmal performance at Chicago. He's nine touchdowns, four interceptions the first four games this season. My thinking after Thursday night's game, Justin, was this. I want to see Baker and Lamar play on Sunday. And maybe we can say after 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 those two quarterbacks play, that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the AFC North. Are we there yet where we are saying that's a reality? Or are you still saying 
that maybe Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the AFC North. Don't get don't don't anybody listening to this podcast try and argue with me, Baker Mayfield. He's not the best quarterback in this division. Not even close. He's third best. Spoiler alert. Justin, what do you think? I still think that Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the division. I do think that Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback, and I and I have no problem saying that he's better than Baker Mayfield. I mean, you watched Baker Mayfield play last week against Minnesota, and he looked atrocious. He's dealing with a shoulder injury, but even outside of that, I still would say that Joe Burrow has played exponentially better than he has. And Lamar Jackson, just with his, um, you know, being able to run the ball and being one of the best rushing quarterbacks of all time, and obviously improving his accuracy every single game and just looking better and better. And he's led this team to a 3-1 and record so far, so he is a very good quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger obviously sitting at the very bottom of that. I don't think there's any discussion about that, but at the end of the season, I think that we could say that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in this division. We might even be talking about him as one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. So the best in the division, I think that's very, very probable. Um, it obviously all depends on how Lamar Jackson plays uh, the rest of the season. I know he's been dealing with a little bit of a back injury, but I believe he is supposed to play um, against the Colts this weekend. So is Joe, Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the division uh, right now? No. Could he be there by the end of the season? Of course. And do I think he could? I mean, do I think it's likely? Yeah, I do, because the way he's been playing right now, I think that it can only go up from here in this offense. Once they start clicking and actually reach their potential, Joe Burrow is going to start looking like comeback player of the year, maybe even in the MVP talks. I don't think there's any question he's going to be comeback player of the year. I mean, name me another player who was injured last year and missed significant time that's going to be. Perhaps Nick Bosa uh, over in San Francisco out west in San Francisco, but to me, when I look at Joe Burrow and how he's gotten better since that since last year, the Bengals have done a really good job, Justin, of building around him. Look at the first round picks, the last few drafts that have been hits. Jamar Chase, obviously. T. Higgins was a second round pick. He was a hit. Obviously, Joe Burrow was a hit. Jonah Williams is, is becoming a hit. Riley Reef was a great free agent signing. And then you look at other draft picks that have been hits. Logan Wilson is a stud at middle linebacker. Something this team has not had in a very long time. Akeem Davis Gaither had a nice pass breakup in the Thursday night game. He's a hit. And then you look at other players on defense that they've signed in free agency. Trey Hendrickson. Justin, the, the Bengals did not do a, did not get to Trevor Lawrence often. But I'll tell you something. Trey Hendrickson had some great quarterback pressures in that game. He put pressure on Trevor Lawrence throughout the game. He he's he has been an absolute hit at free agent signing. As a free agent signing. Jesse Bates obviously was a hit in the 2018 draft in the third round. Look what he's done. And then you look at Jadobia Wuzier has been solid. Mike Hilton has been solid. Even Eli Apple's come around the, you know the last few games. He had a great pass breakup on the first possession of the game Thursday night against Jacksonville. And then you think about Larry Ogunjobi, B.J. Hill. The, the roster construction on both sides of the ball has been tremendous. And I don't think that's been said enough. But we're seeing it through the first four weeks of the season. And you said it, Justin, earlier in this show. You are confident in the Bengals able, being able to keep Green Bay's offense in check, particularly Aaron Jones, with the roster that this organization has built and has done a pretty good job of doing so. Oh, it's definitely been a great culmination of developing your young guys like the linebackers that we mentioned earlier and Logan Wilson, Akeem Davis-Gaither, and Jermaine Pratt. 
and then obviously the free agents that you signed. And Brandon Staley, head coach of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, I think said it best in a uh, press conference earlier this week, is that judging a pass rusher by his sacks alone doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, it looks good on paper. Yeah, it looks good when a guy has 10-plus sacks, double-digit sacks. But QB hits and hurries and pressures are much more valuable to a team because I think those are more, uh, I think he said that basically that they're much more valuable to a coach and that it's better for him to understand that these guys are getting consistent pressure on a down-to-down basis rather than just sacks because that could be, you know, a, a miscommunication by the offensive line. That could be just a confusion by the offense or just a bad play or whatever it may be. But when you're getting consistent pressures and hurries and hits on the quarterback, I think that really shows what makes a great defensive end. And that's exactly what Trey Hendrickson has done this year. Now, do I think that we could definitely step it up a little bit on the defensive line on the outside? For sure. Yeah, Trey, Trey Hendrickson's played great, but I think Sam Hubbard needs to take that next step. I mean, we just signed him to a big contract. He really needs to take that next step and start getting to the quarterback more and more because I don't think that's a name that I've really noticed very much this season. Now, the interior defensive line is playing very, very well. DJ Reader is having a fantastic year, um, coming off an injury that he missed most of, most of last season with. And then Larry Ogunjobi has been invaluable to this team. I mean, he has been phenomenal. And right now, I believe he's questionable to play with an illness and a knee injury tomorrow. But I do believe he is expected to play. Um, but he has been Fantastic for the team. One of the best free agent signings in recent Bengals history from the Browns. It's a one-year deal, and it's definitely a guy I'd love to see coming back. And then trading Billy Price, a backup center for B.J. Hill, who has been an absolute game record so far this year, is that's just a laughable trade. I mean, you get a guy who's playing as like one of the best defensive tackles in the entire NFL for a backup center who has played absolutely terrible for the Bengals. I'll take that every single day of the week. And you back up the defensive line with a fantastic secondary. Shadobia Wuze, who obviously missed last week, coming back, he's played like a cornerback one. Trey Wayne, who I think will get better and better as he starts getting acclimated to this defense. I mean, it's only going to be a second game back from injury. You get Jesse Bates back, one of the best safeties in the NFL. Von Bell, who's been a very, very good Asian signing that we signed last offseason. Um, so altogether, you know, it's just been a very good defensive outing so far. And Zach Taylor has just brought in all the right guys and basically – revamp the culture and it's completely different guys feel comfortable in the locker room they feel comfortable saying that they're one of the best defenses in the entire nfl and they feel like they're going to win on every in every single game another which has not been something that we've been accustomed to yeah and, and you're seeing that it's a confidence but it's a very good confidence it comes with the fact that they know that they prepare every week they know they're very good and they're being realistic they're not just saying you know, they believe they're the best defense or they believe they're going to win this game just to say it to the media because you don't want to say anything you shouldn't or that's going to get twisted. It's that they truly believe. And I think it it all goes back to Joe Burrow and the belief that he brings, that you feel as a fan, that the team feels because they know how good he is. And, he, and it's interesting, Justin, Dan Horde talked about this on the Bearcats football broadcast last night, 52-3 win over Temple. You know, a certain trait, and I forget this coach's name, one of Zach Taylor's mentors in the coaching, in, in, in coaching, you know, would always, you know, evaluate a quarterback on one extra tool, and that was magic. Does a quarterback have that magic to him? That's something about him. Well, clearly, Joe Burrow has that, and now it's leading to wins. But you know what else I love about the roster construction the last few years, Justin? You know what I love about the players? 
is that they're all likable. They're liked among the amongst the fans. Think about Justin. You know, you and I have been Bengals fans for a decade plus, long time, right? I remember in the the Marvin the, the first part of Marvin Lewis's tenure, 03 through 2010. So the first half of Marvin Lewis's tenure. Excuse me. And you know, they had some great players talent-wise. But did you really like those players entirely? Did you like Chad Johnson completely? Did you like, and obviously it's very, very sad what happened to him, but, you know, before what happened, Chris Henry. Did you like um, Ray Maluga? Or did you, you know, did you really like Carson Palmer as a quarterback? There was some polarity to those players. Even in, you know, the first part of Andy Dalton's tenure here, they had some really talented players. Did you ever truly embrace Andy Dalton? Let's be honest. No, you didn't. With this team, there are so many likable players. Obviously, Joe Burrow. Obviously, Jamar Chase. Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins. Along the offensive line, there's guys you like. Jackson Carmen's even becoming a likable guy because he's performed really well the first two weeks of the season or, or the first two games of his career that he started. And then you look on defense. Von Bell. Uh, Jadobia Wuzier, Logan Wilson, you know, up front, Troy Hendrickson, Larry Okunjobi. Justin, there are so many likable guys on this roster. I don't think that gets talked about enough. It's the fact that not only are these, are these players good players and that are helping the Bengals win some football games, but you like them and you want to root for them and you want them to do well. And yeah, these guys are great players, but from a organizational standpoint, from a you know, if you're Mike Brown, you want to bring in those guys because they're great personalities and they have so much confidence and, you know, they're just overall people that you want to be around and you love watching interviews of them and you love watching them play and they drive up ticket sales, they drive up jersey sales. And, you know, from an owner's perspective, that's obviously fantastic for them because they're making as much money as possible. But then when they go out there on the field and back it up on a week-to-week basis, you like them even more. And you mentioned Jackson Carmen, a guy that we drafted in the second round that a lot of people were kind of unsure of going into the season because, um, you know, we knew that he was a good player at Clemson. He wasn't a great player, but he was good. You drafted him in the second round. Um, you know, you trade back to get him. Excuse me. And then he comes in, kind of has some issues, you know, some weight issues, being out of shape. Um, and then he comes in, starts playing great uh, due to a Xavier Suofilo injury, who is now on IR. And he's very great in press conferences. He's just a very likable guy, always has a big smile. And now we're talking about Jackson Carmen as being the long-term starting right guard for this team. And just all the guys that they brought in the Fritons from free agency, all the guys that you mentioned are just guys that, you know, I love having on this team. And you mentioned some of the names that, um, you know, were kind of in the Marvin Lewis tenure. And I never really, you know, I never really felt like a deep personal connection with any of those guys. I never felt like, oh, man, that guy is someone that I really want to buy a jersey of. Um, You know, the first guy who I even ever bought a jersey of was A.J. Green because even though he was kind of a quiet guy, he had a demeanor about him that was, um, you know, he always came prepared. He was always ready. Um, And then he backed it up on game day. So I think having those guys is kind of invaluable to an NFL franchise. And it's shown because the game on Sunday tomorrow against the Packers is sold out. And from an organizational standpoint, that is one of the best things that you can have. Because that's not also something that the Bengals haven't had is, you know, a sold-out sold out game. And especially a game where the average uh, price of a ticket was $200. That's kind of insane to me to think about. Was it really? Yeah, I believe. I saw Jeremy Roush uh, on his segment on Fox 19. Um, 
he said that I believe the average price of a ticket was two hundred dollars, and I was looking at tickets to go to this game, and um, even the tickets like up high were like a, pushing like one hundred and forty bucks. Holy! When was when was the last time we saw those numbers? It's been a long time, maybe since two thousand fifteen. Or those values? Well, yeah, and, and this is the first sellout since that time. And you mentioned Justin the personal connections that you have with players. We all have. And I said this. I said this in the preview show leading up to the Pittsburgh game. We this this city has an infatuation with Joe Burrow, but now it's real. When you heard the fans chanting MVP when he was on the NFL Network postgame crew set after the game, it's real that you know they know who they know you know how great Joe Burrow is. Bengals fans always have a always have a really good feel for the team. How good they are, how good the players are, if they're not if they're not great, if they're underperforming. Bengals fans know they're not dummies, but they're embracing this team. Forget the fact that this franchise hasn't won a playoff game since 1990 and the whole world was different then. You know, Thursday night, you're at the game, the light show, which by the way, Justin, how great was the experience of being at that primetime game last Thursday? I told my roommate who I went to the game with that was easily the best um, you know, game experience I, I have ever had. I've never once been to a Bengals game and felt excited just from the uh, pregame uh, antics and the fireworks, I mean, or lack, of, lack thereof. Um, but they had the light show. They had the fireworks. They had so many new things that we have never seen before. And that just makes it even more fun. And that makes fans want to go to the games even more. And that's why these games are selling out. Yeah. And uh, it was just, it was incredible. I mean, yeah, we won the game and all, but just the entire experience was amazing. And also having those cheap tickets, those college tickets that they offered was for like 20 bucks was awesome. I think they need to start doing that more. I think they and should. They, and that was awesome to have. And, you know, being in that entire section with all the college students was just, it was just an electric time. Yeah. And you, and you, and you want to talk about, you know, targeting specific demographics, you know, bringing, generations of fans together that's what joe burrow's doing with our generation but you think about older generations you know honoring the you know legends of the past like ken anderson and anthony mudios ken riley paul brown on thursday night now when you walk into paul brown stadium it's a different atmosphere you know you see the ruler of the jungle and the jungle zone uh in the riverside end zone you see the ring of honor you see the tarp along the the lower uh, along the sideline wall it's different when you walk into Paul Brown Stadium now, no longer do you have to like kind of, you know, psych yourself up during pregame. No, you, it's it's genuine, it's natural. You feel it when they, you know, when they do the ruler of the jungle ceremony. It it feels different, Justin, going to a home game this season, and and a lot of it's due to Joe Burrow. Give credit, of course, to, to Elizabeth Blackburn, and with that personal connection that you touched on earlier, I think it's because Zach Taylor is a player's coach, you know. And that's been questioned over his, you know the first 36 games of his tenure here, which by the way his record is now uh, 920. What is it? Um, 926 and one. It's still not very good. But again, because he came into a, a situation that was just absolutely dire, abysmal. He spent some time constructing the roster. They were close in games last year. Now they're winning some close games. They also dominated Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, long time just big brother it seemed like, to the Bengals. So a lot's happened through the first four weeks of the season. But as I mentioned at the top of this show, Justin, this test on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers, and it's no secret, you know, when we talk about Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback.
you know, and he's been doing it for a long time, he is still making throws that you just go, how in the world did he just make that throw? Like, Justin, the throw to Devontae Adams on that game-winning drive in San Francisco, no timeouts, middle of the field, just how? And there's only a handful of other quarterbacks that can maybe make that throw. And Aaron Rodgers did. There was a throw to Adams in the Monday night game against Detroit. Third and 12, Rodgers goes near sideline, drops it right in 51 yards. Justin, how does he make these throws? It's just mesmerizing sometimes. It looks so easy for him. I mean, it almost looks like he's not even trying. And then he, you know, he makes those big, big time throws. And then he just kind of gives a little grin to the sideline because he's like, dang, I just made that pass. But it was easy for me because I've been doing it for several years. I mean, he's 37 years old, the reigning MVP, and he's still playing. Like, he could win another MVP this season. Eight touchdowns with two interceptions, 64 and a half, uh, you know, completion percentage so far this year with 100.8 quarterback rating. So he is playing very, very good football. Has the team sitting at three and one. Only loss was to a, a pretty bad loss to New Orleans. Um, so, but since then they played great, and you know, at three and one, they look like one of the better teams in the entire NFL. But we talked about it all show they are beaten up, and how is that going to impact them the rest of the season? Missing your best corner, missing your best offensive tackle in David Bakhtiari, missing your number two wide receiver in Scandling, missing several other players, but I think even even with all those injuries, you still have Aaron Rodgers, you still have Devontae Adams, um, as long as the injury bug doesn't get to them, you still have Aaron Jones, so anytime they have those three guys, I'm never going to count them out of any game, and for the most part, I'm probably going to you know, pick them in any game, even against uh, Tampa Bay or any, other, any of the other better teams in the NFL. Yeah, and you mentioned all the guys that are injured. Eldon Jenkins is questionable, although I believe he's not playing tomorrow, which is which would be a massive blow to Green Bay's offensive line. Justin, Green Bay's offensive line through the first four weeks of the season, minus the New Orleans game, which, by the way, throw that out the window. Don't let that game fool you. Fool anybody. Okay? Just throw that out. It's an outlier. Because the the way they have played the last three weeks, and you mentioned how Aaron Rodgers makes it look easy. He does. Because it's just like he's, you know, playing catch in the backyard with some of his friends. I mean, you, you, you remember that play in the NFC Divisional game against Dallas years ago where, you know, it, it looked like he just drawn that play up in the backyard and he hits Jared Cook 36 yards. Green Bay wins the game on a field goal by Mason Crosby, which, by the way, if the game comes down to that tomorrow, uh, Mason Crosby has uh, made his last, what, 24 field goals in a row or something like that, 25 Um field goals in a row, so I don't think you wanted the game to come down to that situation, and you certainly, if you take a late lead, you don't want to leave too much time on the clock for Aaron Rodgers, because he will find a way to to put the Packers in a position to win the game, just like he did in San Francisco. But the injuries, Justin, are a concern, are a concern to me if, if I were a Packers fan, because the Bengals, listen, I mean, they're not a pushover. And if, in Green Bay, I think they learned their lesson from New Orleans. I heard Pete Doherty say this from the Green Bay Press-Gazette earlier this week. They thought they could just roll in against New Orleans, go out there and play. That didn't work. That woke them up pretty quickly. Rogers has since been has since then been really good. Yeah, he's you know he's putting up Aaron Rodgers esque numbers. It, it's no secret you know who he is as a quarterback. We know that. We've seen him over the years against the Bengals. He's one and two against the Bengals. He has struggled against the Bengals in years past. Now, obviously, this is you know a, a, a much different team than he faced in 2017. Uh, in Green Bay, and 
And that's why this game, to me, we talked about earlier in the season. It's a toss-up game. And it feels like, to me, Justin, it's, it's a game the Bengals can play with house money. If they win, heck, now we're going to be really talking. And then I, and then we can say buy stock. Even if you compete and let's say the final score is, I don't know, 31-28, there's something to take away from that game. But here's the thing. Is Joe Burrow really going to let this team lose this game? I mean, it's not always down just to Joe Burrow. Yeah, you know, we talked about him putting this team in position to win the game in nearly every single game that he plays. But, you know, he's human. He makes mistakes. And it's not just Joe Burrow. Um, You know, this defense has to step up and play because you're playing Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, the reigning MVP, having a very good start to the season. And if you come in and thinking that you can just take advantage of this Green Bay Packers team that's beaten up, then you're – you're wrong. You're wrong, and you're going to get your ass beat if that happens. But I don't think Luana Rumo and this defense are going to let that happen. I don't think that Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor are going to let this offense um, think that even though they don't have Jerry Alexander, they can just take it easy on them. I think that they're going to attack them all game long, and that's what you're going to have to do because I could see this being a shootout. I could see Joe Burrow and Aaron Rodgers going back and forth, um, a ton of offense in this game. And, um, you know, I mean, it is a toss-up game, but – I like, I like the Bengals' chances. I like their chances. Yeah, I do too. And it's amazing to me how, and Scott Pioli brought this up earlier this week, former GM of the Patriots on the Tapeheads podcast. It's amazing to me how this coaching staff, which is, he said, it's a lot of unknowns. It's amazing how they have, you know, stayed for three years, and now they're, you know, leading this team to football, to, to you know, wins. It's pretty remarkable when you, when you think about it. You know, Zach Taylor, who I think we can admit – is you know sometimes you wonder what he you wonder what in the hell is he doing, and then Brian Callahan who really you know doesn't you know really is just there just to have a title almost with Zach Taylor calling the place, and then Lou Anarumbo who we have scrutinized the last two years heavily now he's all of a sudden got his side of the ball playing really well with some notable players and very high in the rankings per Pro Football Focus and the defense in the NFL ranked very high so there is a lot to like with what this coaching staff has done. But they haven't done it against a team like Green Bay. With that, let's get to our keys of the game. And, Justin, let's start with you. Number one, always, you and I always start off with it, is protect Joe Burrow. And they're obviously going to have a better chance at that, you know, with a beaten up defensive line of the Packers, um, missing their best pass rusher, Zadarius Smith. Number two is, same thing as last week, utilize the tight ends more. Yeah, you have T. Higgins, but... You just saw C.J. Uzama have a game of his career, two touchdowns, 77 yards, and five catches. And if you utilize him and you can, you know, basically start, uh, you know, utilizing every single uh, aspect of this offense, you know, down the field, uh, middle throws, screens, whatever it may be, um, it's going to be huge. And it's just don't let this beating up offense um, – or what's, what would be the right thing? It is like, don't take uh, this lightly that this offense is beaten up and that this offensive line is beat up because you're still going up against Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones, and you have to come out with your A game. I have no doubt that Lou Anarumo is going to preach that to this team, that he has been preaching it all week to this team, and he's going to be especially preaching it come game day tomorrow. Yeah, obviously, number one, protect the franchise. No further explanation needed, Your Honor. But let's get to number my, my second key to the game. It is... Make Aaron Jones work. The Lions did a fantastic job in week two in Monday on Monday Night Football making Aaron Jones work for his yards. You know, they didn't come very easily. If the Bengals can do that, 
and they can force, you know, Aaron Rodgers to, you know, throw the ball. And here's the thing. Yes, they have Randall Cobb now, who had a great game last week against Pittsburgh. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, those on, on injured reserve. They have, you know, they have some weapons, but they are a little limited. If you can force Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game and you can somehow contain Devontae Adams, it's not easy. He leads the NFL in catches for a reason. But my key is make Aaron Jones work. He's the key. If you can stop Aaron Jones and force Rodgers to throw to Adams and Cobb and Robert Tunyon, which the Bengals' defense has been better against tight ends this season, I think the Bengals will be in a great position. And number three, let Joe Cook, let Joe Burrow do his thing. If Joe Mixon's only able to play in some capacity, let Joe Burrow throw the ball 40 times a game. You know he's going he's gonna to make some good decisions. You know he's going to be accurate. You know he's going to find the open receiver. And one thing, too, Justin, I noticed in the Jacksonville game, he's not you know, going to his first read. That's credit to the offensive line, giving him more time to throw the ball. But he's not like looking at Tyler Boyd the whole time and throwing to Boyd. No, he might look at, you know, Jamar Chase on one side and, oh, he's covered. Let me go to Tyler Boyd over the middle. That's what he's doing. That's another, you know, step to his improvement this season. So those are my keys to the game. Protect the franchise, make Aaron Jones work, and let Joe cook. And now this is going to be hard. Let's get to our score predictions. I think we know who we want to pick to win this game, but we have to objectively predict who we think is going to win this game. Justin, we'll start with you. And Alex, I know we talked all show. I said I like the Bengals' chances um, against Green Bay with all the injuries, but I think I have to take – I'm taking the Bengals. I'm taking Cincinnati to be in the upset against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. I'm taking the Bengals 31-27, to and now here is my big key prediction – Joe Burrow, 350-plus passing yards tomorrow. I'm predicting it, and I'm predicting Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins each have a touchdown catch tomorrow. I'm taking the Bengals. I like their chances. I like their defense. Packers have way too many injuries, and I think that we're going to make Aaron Rodgers look silly. Well, you know what? It sounds like you're living in a pipe dream, and if so, and if it all comes true tomorrow i don't want to wake you up at about 9 30 tomorrow when we record our our recap show so you know i hope for you that is the case but justin here's the thing you know the Bengals have gotten a lot of national attention since their thursday night win over jacksonville since joe burrow's second half performance and it's great it's great that the Bengals are being viewed more positively in an in an on a national level it, it really is great here's the thing though and I, and i look at it from this way their wins have come against Minnesota, who's one and three. I would have I would have said before last week that that's a really good win, because I I think Minnesota is better than the record shows. But they played awful against Cleveland, who I don't think is all that great. And then I think about Chicago; they lost. I'm not sure what to think of that. Pittsburgh was a a dominant win. They're not very good. Jacksonville's zero and four. I think that's a better win than some might say. But they haven't faced a team like the Packers yet. And I'm so tempted to pick the Bengals to win because I, I, I see guys like Colin Coward and Jason McIntyre pick them to win. I see Brian Baldinger making his NFL Bowl predictions, NFL.com Bowl predictions, that he thinks the Bengals get the win. I see Ryan Clark picking the Bengals to win this game. Justin, I, I can't do it just yet. Now, I will say this right now. I think it's going to be a very, very good game. If the Bengals win tomorrow, I will come on the show tomorrow night, and say, buy stock. Literally, go to the New York Stock Exchange and buy stock. 
I just can't pick the Bengals to win this game, Justin. And ugh, it kills me. But I got to pick Green Bay 31-28. That's my score prediction for tomorrow. And I think the biggest thing for me is we've talked about how confident these players are, particularly Joe Burrow, the confidence that they ooze out every single time they do a press conference or an interview or just throughout the game, they just show how confident they are in themselves and their teammates. And I think it's time for these fans to start being confident in this team because we're 3-1. and one. Yeah, you look at the teams that we played and you look at the way we beat them and even the loss we had against Chicago and you say, well, you know, maybe they're not as good as their record shows. Getting any win in the NFL is going to be difficult, no matter what team you're playing against. I mean, Jacksonville's 0-4, and they took us down to the wire. And do I think Jacksonville's on the rise? Uh Maybe, you know, they have Trevor Lawrence. I think that could be a lot better than what they've, you know, been so far. Um, but getting any win in the NFL is difficult, and the Bengals have managed to become 3-1 and one through four weeks. And it's time for these fans to be as confident as the players are in themselves. And I think once the fans are confident, it's just going to drive the excitement for the team up. And I think it's going to be so much better for this team. And I think that we come in, beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and this team is, you know, playoff bound. I think you're right, and I think there's a lot to like with this team right now, and hopefully they can continue that with a big win tomorrow against a marquee opponent in Green Bay. Justin, that's going to do it for us. A lot of energy on the show today. We'll try to bring that same energy tomorrow, hopefully with the, with the Bengals' win and a 4-1 record. Thank you for listening to the Welcome to the Jungle podcast, our preview show for the Bengals-Packers game tomorrow. He is Justin Cashman. I am Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your night. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and we will talk to you sometime tomorrow night after the game.